Welcome to the weekly worship service from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbon A and Kankakee. In today's service, you will hear readings from God's Word, a message from our pastor, the Lord's Prayer, and a blessing for you and your family. But first, a few announcements about our ministry at St. Paul's. We invite you to join us for our weekly 5 p.m. Saturday worship service at our church located at 348 East Merchant Street in downtown Kankakee. We also hold weekly Sunday morning worship services at 8.30 and 11.05 at our school site, located at 1780 Career Center Road in Bourbon A. If you have any health reasons that might keep you away from in-person worship, please consider one of our alternative worship services, such as our worship page on our website, our weekly WKAN broadcast, and through our Facebook stream. You may also request an audio copy or opt for our podcast. All worship services and church information are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. The latest information on our response to the pandemic is available by clicking the COVID-19 tab at the top of the page. For more information about St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, please call the church office at 815-932-0312. And now we pray that you are blessed by the Word of God in today's worship. Slow to anger and rich in love. 
The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise him. Lord, your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might, so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fail at the fall and lifts up all those who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. The epistle lesson for today is from Ephesians, the first chapter, beginning at verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace, and he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their full fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possessions, to the praise of his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand for the gospel. St. Mark, the sixth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. King Herod heard about this, for Jesus' name had become well known. Some were saying John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. 
Others said he is Elijah, and still others claim he is a prophet, like one of the prophets long ago. When Herod, <coughs> excuse me, when Herod heard this, he said, John, the man I beheaded has been raised from the dead. For Herod himself had given orders for, to have John arrested, but he had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to, ha to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him, but she was not able to, because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. Finally, the opportune, opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. The king said to the girl, ask me for anything you want and I'll give it to you. And he promised her with an oath, whatever you ask, I will give, give to you up to half of my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask for? The head of John the Baptist, she answered. At once the girl hurried into the king with the request, I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was greatly distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioner with the orders to bring John's head. The man went, beheaded John in the prison, and brought back his head on a platter. And he presented it to the girl, and she gave it to her mother. On hearing this, John's disciples came, took his body, and laid it in a tomb. This is the Gospel of the Lord. sermon comes from our psalm reading. Let's pray. O Lord, your hands create and sustain us. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your presence in our lives so that we can be used by you to share your love. May the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our maker and our redeemer. Amen. From our psalm reading today, especially Psalm 145, verse 16, you open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. Our text. 
As I was looking at this passage today and thinking about hands, uh, I was reminded of a story uh, that I had read one time. I had to go back and, and look it up, and I'd like to share it with you. The writer writes saying, an old man, probably some 90 years plus, uh, uh, sat on the park bench. He didn't move, just sat with his head down, staring at his hands. When I sat down beside him, he didn't acknowledge my presence. The longer I sat, the longer I wondered if he was okay. Finally, not really, want, really wanting to disturb him, but wanting to check on him at the same time, I asked if he was okay. He raised his head and looked at me and smiled. He said, I'm, I'm fine, yes, and thank you for asking. He had a clear, strong voice. I said, I didn't mean to disturb you, sir, but you were just sitting here staring at your hands, and I wanted to make sure you were okay. And he asked, have you ever looked at your hands? I mean, really looked at your hands? They wrote, I slowly opened my hands and stared down at them. I turned them over, palms up, then palms down. No, I guess I never really looked at my hands as I tried to figure out the point he was making. He smiled and related this story, and he said, stop and think for a moment about the hands you have, how they have served you well throughout your years. These hands of mine, though wrinkled and shriveled and weak, have been the tools I've used all my life to reach out, to grab, embrace, and uh, embrace life. They braced and caught my fall when I was a toddler, when I crashed upon the floor. They put food in my mouth and clothes on my back. As a child, my mother taught me to fold them in prayer. They tied my shoes and pulled on my boots. They dried the tears of my children, caressed the love of my life. They held my rifle and wiped my tears when I went off to war. They've been dirty, scraped, raw, swollen, and bent. They were uneasy and clumsy when I tried to hold my newborn son. Decorated with a wedding band, they showed the world that I was married and loved someone special. They wrote letters home and trembled when I, and shook when I buried my parents and spouse and walked my daughter down the aisle. Yet they were strong and sure when I dug my buddy out of a foxhole and lifted a plow off my best friend's foot. They've held children, consoled neighbors, shook fists in anger when I didn't understand. They've covered my face, combed my hair, washed and cleansed the rest of my body. They've been sticky, wet, bent, broken, dried, and raw, and to this day when not much of anything else of me works really well, these hands hold me up, lay me down, and again continue to, be, to fold in prayer. These hands are the mark of where I've been, the ruggedness of my life. And more importantly, it will be these hands that God will reach out and take when he leads me home. And he won't care where these hands have been or what they've done. What he will care is about is to whom these hands belong and how much he loves these hands. With these hands, he will lift me up to his side, and there I will use these hands to touch the face of Christ. The writer concludes, no doubt I will never look at my hands the same again. I never saw the old man after I left the park that day, but will never forget him and the words he spoke. When my hands are hurt or sore, when I stroke the face of my children, and when I think of that man in the park, I have the feeling that he has been stroked and caressed and held by the hands of God. I, too, want to touch the face of God and feel his hands upon my face. Thank you, Father, for these hands and this life. Hands. Guess we could ask the same question, right? Have you ever looked at your hands before? Take a moment and just look at your hands. What do you see? 
maybe besides a pen mark or, or maybe a, uh, some stray makeup when you're putting that on this morning. What story do your hands tell? Of course, you see you have ten fingers, although there are some exceptions to that. And the fact that you may have a finger or part of a finger missing tells a story in itself. But you look into the palms of your hands and your fingertips, what do you see? Do you see hands that are rough with rough or cracked skin? Is there sort of dirt caught there in the cracks of that skin? Are there the telltale bits of paint or grease? Uh, are your hands uh, uh, smooth or rough? Are those hands large or small? What do your hands tell you about the kind of work that you do? Do you have skillful hands that are clever at doing things? Making things from wood, fixing machinery, maybe putting together things like paper and, and, and wool and cardboard to make beautiful pieces of art. Are the hands that knit? Or sew, carve, or sculpt? Do you wave your hands around when you talk? Uh, my introvert nature keeps me from doing too much of that. But it's amazing what our hands say about us, right? Throughout your, the year, your hands do many things. At various times during the year, especially if you look back about six months ago, your hands reached out to give gifts to people at Christmas. Your hands reach out with gifts because the person who's receiving that gift is special to you, right? Those hands are extended out in love. In the Old Testament, we read about God's hands. God created the earth, the sky, the animals, the plants with those creative and powerful words, let there be, and boom, something was made. We hear that God's hands carefully and lovingly created Adam and Eve. With that first man and this first woman, it was, it was different, wasn't it? God's hands were at work. Uh, the word used to describe how God created Adam and Eve is that he formed them like a, a potter molding clay with his hands until it is just the right shape and perfect in his eyes. Shaped with purpose, shaped with love. Again and again, Scripture reminds us how God's hands uh, lead and and how they guide, and how they protect, and how they hold, how they strengthen, how they keep his people on the right path. In Hebrews 8, he leads his people from the land of Egypt by his hand, we're told. In Isaiah 49, it's a loving God who says he has engraved our names on the palms of his hands. Again and again in Psalm 63, it's stated, I cling to you and your hand keeps me safe. In Psalm 104, you open your hand and everyone is satisfied. I've seen it recently, the last uh, few weeks here, uh, in advertisements that this idea of Christmas in July, you know, that, that idea has been around for some time and I think it's more of a recent event, uh, but it's all centered around those Christmas-themed activities, entertainment, sometimes just small gatherings, uh, music and specials and shopping, all to get us into the Christmas spirit during the summer season, right? Around here, there are those community events to get us into that spirit again in the midst of a heat wave. Uh, the, the, sometimes it's maybe it's a Christmas movie that's being played or <clears throat> uh, an event at the ice arena in, in Kankakee. In the past, there was a service event in our area called Christmas in April, 
uh, which moved the community to serve others as well, giving that spirit of giving. But the season of Christmas is it's a little bit different, isn't it? Because at Christmas, we're reminded of, of hands, <clears throat> namely how God's hands reached out and gave us a very special gift. In that manger in Bethlehem, we find the God who created the universe has become, had become a human like us. In the manger, a baby whose, whose hands are ever so soft and fragile, those hands in the manger seem so helpless, so dependent upon his parents. And Mary and Joseph can't resist reaching out unlovingly like parents do, holding those tiny hands in their seemingly gigantic hands. It almost seems impossible that the hands that form the universe become the tiny hands of a baby. But it's true. This child in the manger is a special and precious gift from God. This is Jesus, Emmanuel, a God with us, right? The Savior the angels spoke about to the shepherds the night he was born. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. God opened up his hands and satisfied the needs of every person on earth. I mean, we're all sinners, right? We've all done wrong. Uh, uh, and yet God's hands reach out and give to you and me a special gift of his own son in order to save us, right? The Bible says in 1 John 4, God showed his love for us by sending his only son into the world that we may, might have life through him. Those tiny hands in the manger, a symbol of God's incredible love for you and me. Those tiny hands become hands of healing and hands of hope as they touch the sick and, and the, the dying, the sinner and those that are outcast. And when Jesus begins his ministry, <clears throat> those hands bring forth God's love into the lives of all those who needed his healing touch in some way. And Jesus' hands touch blind eyes, uh, leprous skin, deaf ear, ears, paralyzed bodies, the body of a dead child. And people were never the same again. They experienced the open and generous hand of God who satisfied not only their physical needs, but it went much further. His hands healed them completely, even healing that relationship with God. Those hands of the baby become the crucified hands. The nail marks on Jesus' hands tell a story, don't they? His pierced hands tell us that Jesus died for us. As the angel said, a Savior has been born. And to become a Savior, he died on a cross to give us forgiveness for our sin and wrongdoing. Those nail-pierced hands tell us how much God loves us, how much God loves you. He was prepared to die so we could have life with him forever in eternity. And just as God's hands gave us the gift of a baby, Jesus, at Christmas time, because he loves us, likewise, his outstretched and nail-pierced hands demonstrate how far God's love is prepared to go for each and every one of us. It was those nail-pierced hands the disciples saw, they touched, convinced them that Jesus truly is alive, proclaiming, Lord and my God. 
Jesus had risen from the grave. He had defeated death. And he has assured all who live and believe in him that they will have life forever. But what about today? Today, those hands of Jesus extend in blessing over us, don't they? As we carry on his work of sharing his love with others, just like we did with that Be the Church mission event a couple of weeks ago. And as we use our hands to become his hands, to carry on his work, then his hands lead us. As we share his love, as we share his forgiveness, as we share his compassion with others, his hands hold our hands when the going becomes difficult. His hands steady our hands when we lose courage. His hands guide us. And when we lose our way, when our, when, we're, when, we are, when our following of Jesus' ways get lost in the busyness of life, his hands point us in the right direction of those whose hands we need to hold at any given moment. Being the hands of Jesus in our world today, it's not an easy thing because it challenges us. And people will question our reasons, they will question our intentions, but through it all, Jesus raises those hands in blessing and assures us that he is truly Emmanuel, God with us, that he is walking with us, that he is comforting us as we journey throughout life with all of its ups and its downs. But we also raise our hands, right, in celebration. We raise our hands in thanksgiving. Every day, every Sunday, it's a celebration of Jesus' resurrection. Each and every day we rejoice and celebrate at what God's hands are doing in our lives and how he uses our hands to touch the lives of those around us. The psalmist reminds us, you, O God, open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The psalmist's words are as true as ever. It's really God's hands surrounding us. It's the hands of the Savior, the hands of the shepherd, the hands of Jesus, the Lamb of God. And in his hands we are content. We are comforted. We're strengthened to share that life-changing love with the world. May God give us that strength to do just that. Amen. Please stand. And now may the peace of God that transcends all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, go with God's blessing this day. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this time of worship. From all of us at St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, we thank you for listening. More worship opportunities are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. Just click worship at the top of the page. May God bless you and your family each and every day. And again, thank you for listening.